And it's Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. Uh, where are we up to? We're into our Bible study for today, which is dealing with difficult people. <laughs> um, and uh, Angela tells me that this one is particularly relevant to today. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently she is um, dealing with me as a difficult person. So, And the Lord is refining my character and I'm thankful. <laughs> we just love having you on the show, Angela. Oh, you're counting down the days. Can we fly her out sooner? <laughs> Friday? Is your ticket leaving tomorrow? <laughs> you're going to be stuck here for the rest of your life. They're just going to close those borders and it's, that's it. They're like, yeah, you're actually an Australian, so we don't have to bring you back to America. Um, they're just going to leave you here, I think. Yeah, you know, that really doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are we up to? Um, we did have a text message come through. What did that say? Let me just find it from... Ooh, here it is. Uh, in this age, it's a quote from a book, in this age, Antichrist will appear as the true Christ and then the law of God will be fully made void in the nations of the world. This will happen before the national Sunday laws are impl- implemented, uh, yet this is rarely discussed. And that's an interesting point right there. And it's probably been a fair while since we've had a discussion in relationship to national Sunday laws. That would have been a comment coming through in relationship to what we were talking about um, as the United States being the, the last world superpower earlier on and how that many people have... You know, gone kind of quiet on that prophecy of the Bible, uh, gone a bit wonky on it and sort of like yeah, stopped preaching that one so much and so heavily because you look at the world today and anybody who looks at the world today can see that China is the rising superpower and America's got some serious cracks in it, in its superpower status. And yet this new research that has come out has shown that, you know, in the next 80 years, our world is going to change dramatically and that dramatic change will keep America at the top rung. And that's going to be a pretty significant run for the United States. Uh, superpower status is usually relatively short-lived. It is, if you look at history. Uh, Imperial Rome had a long run. Yes. But many other nations, it's probably had the longest run. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting research. In an interesting world in which we live. Anyway, getting on to our Bible study, uh, talking about dealing with difficult people. Did Jesus have to deal with difficult people? Oh, definitely. I am kind of constantly because he had enemies very purposely sent out by Satan to thwart him constantly. So if anybody had to deal with difficult people who are always trying to chip him up and catch any word he ever said that was somehow misleading would be, would be Jesus. Okay, because he had enemies. What about friends? You know, his friends were sometimes his enemies too, unfortunately. There's this saying that goes, you know, who needs enemies when you've got friends like this? It's, true, <laughs> you know, it's one true. of those things that we often say when our friends let us down. We usually say it in fun, of course. Uh, did Jesus' friends ever let him down? Um, definitely, many times. You know, they questioned him after he would explain wonderful things or show them something incredible. Then you have... You know, a couple of verses later, the next chapter, them asking a question that shows complete um, doubt and lack of faith. Or, of course, you can think of the, the big example in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked them to pray and they chose sleep over praying for their best friend. So let's say that you were going to, you've been sent here to Australia and somebody said, okay, I want you to go to Australia and I want you to start a, uh, a self-supporting ministry in Australia. 
All right, so this is your commission. Go and start a self-supporting mission in Australia. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to go there and I want you to form uh, a board, a management board of uh, people that are going to be on that ministry and support it and uh, throw their weight behind it and see it succeed. Okay. So what kind of people are you going to choose? Um, definitely people who believe in my vision and also have the same vision in their hearts before I ever came along. All right. So let's consider, you know, some of the, uh, I've been in self-supporting work and had my own self-supporting ministry for some time. And if we, uh, you know, look at typically these kind of examples, you know, some of the valuable people that would be good, you know, first of all, people that, people that are aligned with the vision, no question about that. People on the same page with the vision. Mm -hmm. But then what kind of qualifications would be useful for you? Oh, you know, educated would be nice. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm starting a school, then I would want people who had some background with um, teaching would be nice or parenting. Yep. Um, yeah, there's definitely a list of what about, qualifications. What about finance? Um, they would need to be financially stable because we all know that and self-supporting. <laughs> yeah, but would it, would it be useful to have, say, an accountant on your board? Oh, definitely. What about a lawyer to take care of you know, all the legal aspects of setting up a school here in Australia? Yeah, that sounds good. That, that, that would be good as well. Mm -hmm. So, so it would be good to have a lawyer, be good to have um, an accountant, good to have some educators there. Um, now, obviously, this would be a Christian school. So what about um, some pastors, theologians, that kind of thing? Yeah, those would all be very nice. Okay, so if you yeah, could, this, yeah. is, this is the direction. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, this is the direction I would go. Yeah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. So you you're, you're kind of saying Jesus' team is not really stacked. Well, we're going we're gonna to have a bit of a look at Jesus' <laughs> team here in a moment. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Because the reality is that Jesus has come to this earth with the purpose of starting a new global worldwide religion. Yeah, nothing small, just a new global worldwide religion called Christianity. That's actually, you know, yeah. the, the biggest task that you would ever come across. Yeah. And it's like, okay, where do you start? How much effort do you put into that? How many years do you dedicate to it? And who do you place on your board, your, your, your inner circle? Who, who's in your cabinet, so to speak? Definitely qualified people. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, please. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, was that uh, verse 19 as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Ah, there you go. Okay, so uh, which one of these was the lawyer? Which one was the accountant? Which one of them was the educator? Which one was the theologian? Um, yeah, none of them. They, none yeah. of Fishermen them. weren't really necessarily even highly respected in Jewish culture. They were kind of known to be a little bit, you know, um, uneducated and not trained and not worthy of certain spiritual positions for sure. Rough around the edges. Very much. Bogans. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So for all of you who are out there who are very proud Bogans today, um, you are standing in the shoes of Jesus' disciples, so nothing to be ashamed of there. No. Um, or I guess in the United States, you would probably say redneck. Yes. Yep. Okay, so these are the kind of people that Jesus chooses. And if we knew what Jesus was doing and why he was here and we were watching on, we would probably be raising some questions going, now, wait a minute, you came to earth to do what? And you are choosing these kinds of guys? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. 
positively different. Okay, so when when Jesus chooses these guys, mm. does he choose them because they are okay? They might be a bit rough around the edges and uneducated, but just like really nice, genuine people who don't have any issues or problems, uh, <laughs> anything like that. Is that is that why Jesus chooses them? Oh yes, Peter is very calm and helpful, <laughs> and always steady, and never you know does anything based off emotions. He's always just that you know. Guiding light. <laughs> I uh, I sense a very big tongue in cheek right now, Angela. <laughs> well, you know, Peter is famous for always acting on an emotion and thinking thinking later, right? And so, definitely, when Jesus called these two brothers, he didn't know. Well, he did know exactly what he was getting into. And what's interesting is his team isn't finished because the next two verses he calls James and John, which are known as the sons of thunder. So they were probably kind of famous in the area for their tempers. So here you have these four friends um, who are are known around town, maybe as not always the most polite men. As being hot-tempered and always getting into fights. And maybe always needing to prove something. And uh, on occasion wanting to, you know, just burn a whole Samaritan village to the ground, including all the inhabitants. <laughs> You're quoting about James and John, yeah. <laughs> I am indeed, because they were chosen to be part of Jesus' disciples. Mm. It's interesting if you actually look into the disciples of Jesus, and they were a bit of a bunch of misfits. And I have a little bit of a fun piece here mm. that um, I heard many, many years ago, looked it up, found it, adapted it a little bit. Um, but it illustrates a really important point. So I'm going to share it this morning because what it does show is that Jesus didn't shy away from dealing, from working with difficult people. All right, so this is <coughs> subject matter, disciple recruitment. It's a memo to Jesus, son of Joseph, Woodcrafters of Nazareth, from Jordan Management Consultants, Jerusalem. <laughs> It begins by saying, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for management positions in your new organization. All of them have completed our battery of tests, and we have not only run the results through our computer, but we have also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychological and vocational aptitude consultant. Oh, dear. The profiles of all tests are included. You will want to study them carefully. As part of our service and for your guidance, allow us some general comments, much as an auditor would make general statements. This is the result of staff consultation and without an additional fee. It is the staff opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in education and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. Hmm. They do not have the team concept. We would recommend that you continue your search for educated persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capacity. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. He speaks his mind, often without considering the consequences. He has radical left-wing political leanings with connections to a dangerous terrorist organisation called the Zealots. He was found to be carrying a concealed weapon at his interview. Andrew is a natural follower and has absolutely no leadership qualities. The two brothers James and John place personal interest above company loyalty. Both have a violent reputation and dysfunctional parents. Thomas suffers from depression and mental instability. He has a concrete worldview and lacks the capacity for conceptual thought. Nathaniel is a loner and demonstrates a questioning attitude that would undermine morale. Bartholomew is a racist and displays an unfounded elitist attitude. Philip is short-sighted and lacking in vision. 
we feel further that it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has extreme right-wing political alliances. <laughs> the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau has blacklisted him as a result of known criminal associations and accusations of fraud. James, the son of Alpheus and Thaddeus, Thaddeus both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. Mm. Now, when you study the disciples, you know, okay, this was a little bit of fun, but it's not that far off the mark. No, it really isn't. Uh, we missed one, though. Yeah, I was going to say, there's one. That oh, we, yeah, we missed one. Okay, we missed one. Yeah, yeah, all right. So one of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness, mm-hmm. meets people well, has a keen business mind, has contacts in high places. He is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. He holds a bachelor's degree in theology and a master's degree in accounting. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. The enterprise you are undertaking is ambitious, to say the least. We wish you every success. Oh, mercy. That's really good. That's super creative. It's very creative, and it packs a very powerful punch when you stop and think about it, particularly when we look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because so often we look at ourselves and we see ourselves as being entirely unqualified to be involved in the work of God. And the devil loves to come to us and tell us all of our weaknesses and failings and deficiencies and say, look, you know, why are you even thinking being a servant of God? How could you be a servant of God? There's no place for you in the service of God. And look at the people that Jesus chose and we find that all of them are difficult people. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got right-wing extremists. He's got left-wing extremists from a political standpoint. Mm-hmm. Imagine Matthew and Peter trying to get on. I always wondered how they actually could ever have a conversation. Yeah, how could they even <laughs> stay in each other's company? Yeah. Because they're political opposites. Then you have, um, you know, you have, you know, Thomas, who's just, Suffering from severe depression all the time. You kind of wonder how he actually manages to keep up with, you know, with the whole team. And yet Thomas, when he becomes a missionary under the, under the power of God's grace, takes the gospel far further mm-hmm. than the Apostle Paul or Peter ever did. Yes. You know, and influences a much greater portion of the world. You know, the reason that we remember, of course, uh, Peter and Paul is because we have their books recorded for us because, you know, they were writing in the Greek language. Um, um, Thomas, of course, went to India and Greek was the lingua franca of the, of the world. So it was the spoken language of the world. And, of course, you know, political events in the West meant that Christianity became, you know, state religion in the West, which it never did, did in places like India. But if you look at you know where 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 Thomas went and what he was actually able to accomplish, it was massive. Yeah, it's truly incredible, and w- which really points to the point, and that is the fact that Jesus can see the heart. Absolutely. And so you know you made a point at the end, and you never mentioned his name, the one that was the most qualified. I did not. The one that met in everybody else's eyes, not a difficult person, actually ended up being the most difficult person. And betrayed him. Yeah. Stabbed him in the back. Yeah, because of where his heart was. And this is the key point right here. We look at ourselves, the devil tells us, well, you're a great sinner, or you've got all of these problems, or you have so many issues. 
And then we suddenly realize that when Jesus came to this earth, he overlooked, you know, the great theologians and politicians and lawyers and educators and uh, accountants and so forth. Yeah. It's not necessarily what you've done or your qualifications or what you've experienced. It's where your heart is. How open is your heart to learning? How open is your heart to constructive criticism? And this is where grace can work. Amen. Because if your heart is open, grace can work in that space. And grace can take the most dysfunctional life, the biggest train wreck of a life, and grace can turn that around and grace can turn that into a that that life into a life of tremendous success and doing amazing things for God. Yeah, which really shows you what is a difficult person. Like, what do we look at as a difficult person? Maybe we need to, like, relook at the way we look at people and decide who is difficult and who is not. Because I don't know about you, but I can't judge the heart. So when you look at at this list here of disciples Mm. that Jesus chose, you have to ask yourself the question, if Jesus came to the earth right now, would he choose you and I? Oh, mercy. I pray my heart is open, definitely. It's a question you have. To, we, we have to ask. Every single one of us has to ask. And mm-hmm. when I look at the list, I'm like, "Ooh, you know, wow." Um, I certainly pray that Jesus would choose me. Yeah. But I mean, the fact is that Jesus has chosen you and I. He has. He has. Praise God. Yes. And He has chosen you as a listener today. He has chosen you to be His servant and to do amazing things for Him. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM positively different let's go to mark chapter 12 verse 28 to 34 uh angela if you could read that one for us please mark 12 verse 28 to 34 then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together perceiving that he had answered them well asked him which is the first commandment of all jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these so the scribe said to him well said teacher you have spoken the truth for there is one god and there is no other but he and to love him with all the heart with all the understanding with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one neighbor's love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. This is an interesting situation because Jesus has been and is surrounded by difficult people. He has become a very famous teacher that has raised the jealousy of you know those who were actually educated to be teachers they're like you know we went to university for goodness knows how many years to become you know a teacher of you know a, a rabbi a teacher and this guy's come from you know being a carpenter and we're just super jealous of the fact that he's got a bigger following than we do and so because of that they're like well you know what because we know the our bible so well let's just make him look like a fool yeah let's trip him up let's trip him up so they went out of their way to try and trip him up i may have been guilty of doing that yesterday but we won't go there (laughs) (laughs) they went out of their way to trip him up and in doing so i mean this is you know i was gonna say it's a low thing to do but then i could i could i could trip myself up here you know Um, but this this is the heart of it and i think this is the heart of why we struggle so much with dealing with difficult people is because difficult people show 
the things that are wrong in our own lives. Often, the things that we notice wrong in someone else is the very thing that is wrong in ourselves. We are quick to notice what we ourselves struggle with. Of course, because that's what you are already subconsciously thinking about. And so I think that, you know, maybe you're understanding that right now to a full degree. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that? Did you listeners hear that? This is what But we all are. But hey, to be honest, to be honest, Mm. I'll absolutely take it. Yeah. You know, I will absolutely take it. And this is, you know, we need to. We need to be ready to accept you know, honest and good criticism and we need to spend time stopping and looking at ourselves and asking the question, does God have a message for me right now? Is God trying to communicate something to me about my life? Are there areas in which I need my life to be refined? Yeah. Is this person really difficult or is my heart not exactly where I thought my heart was? Am I quick to condemn what I myself struggle with? So Jesus is surrounded by all of these difficult people. They've been mm-hmm. trying to trip him up all over the place. Yeah. This lawyer comes out with this one. It's like, which one's the greatest of the commandments? You know, which, which one of the ten is the, is the greatest? Because that was something they always argued against. And Jesus answered this, this question by just summarizing all ten. Love God, love each other. Yes. And uh, the lawyer, you know, and this is the, this is the challenging thing. When you initiate an argument, mm-hmm. you have the advantage because um, you have the initiative. Yeah, and you know the direction you want it to go. You know the direction you want it to go. You have the advantage. You have the initiative. You know the direction you want it to go. And because of that, um, it can be emotionally and from a standpoint of your ego, difficult to back down. Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and I can see myself in this situation going into this like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip this guy up. I, I can ask him some questions that he's got no idea to. Tosses out this question. Jesus comes back with an absolute firecracker of an answer. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, maybe thou shalt not kill is the greatest one. You know, the lawyer doesn't. This guy shows true humility. He's like, well, actually, you're actually absolutely yeah, you're right, right on that one. I, how do I argue with that? Yep. And so Jesus here, when the lawyer asks him this question, he's like, he doesn't come back with, you know, some kind of combative answer. He just answers, you know, with an honest, true spirit and the lawyer accepts it. And then what he states is winning. He is winning in his approach rather than combative. Yeah, and I'm not trying to oversimplify working with difficult people, but sometimes it really truly is just a display of love, of true love for them and who they are, not trying to point out all their faults. Absolutely. And here that's where Jesus just hits the heart of the matter. Mm. It's like love. That's right. (laughs) When you love God, your your vertical relationship affects your horizontal relationship. When you love God, it's displayed in how you treat others. And that's what Jesus is trying. Please let me just make this simple to all the difficult people around me right now that are trying to attack me. <laughs> and after that, the Bible like, says like the, the, the lawyers were like, we're just not going to go there anymore. Yeah. Because they, they recognized that that was where Jesus was coming from. And when we, sh- when we approach people with love, mm-hmm. it does pull the sting out of the barb. And that's definitely the way Jesus kept approaching his disciples, which in the end makes them game changers. Yeah. You know, in very difficult circumstances, he saw potential. It's just the way that he worked. Amazing. 
There is one more story that is, I'm going to mention this one briefly just as we end. We don't have time to go to it. But for those of you who'd like to look it up, it's in Luke 23, 39 to 43. And it's the story of the thief on the cross. These guys were violent robbers. They were terrible, terrible criminals. And uh, Jesus is the only story that I've ever seen of somebody who leads someone to salvation during their own execution. Mm. So this is during his execution. He leads somebody to salvation. Yeah. You know, this is this is somebody who is looking for an opportunity wherever he can find it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't write anybody off. He sees an opportunity by the seaside. He sees an opportunity amongst the lawyers. He sees an opportunity even while he is being executed and leads someone to salvation. 